Y'all, this last week, this last month, this past year, or as long back as you and your ancestors have been feeling the hurt, as long back as your people have been surviving, as much as this hurts, remember that you are here. You are alive in this moment. Now, you may, you may wish you weren't. When my soul hurts like this on some level, there's a cry of, let me not be here. It's the flight response. Let me not be here. There are so many ways to not be here, and some of them just magnify the hurt. And some of... Some of them help us through the hurt. On Saturday, I held my sweetie as we prayed and lit candles for our Jewish and black friends and read psalms. Holding on to love can help us be both here and not here. And before this weekend, I wrote a lovely reflection for this podcast. It was about elections. I rather liked it. I'm going to put it in the transcript at the end if you want to read it. But instead, I am reminded that this week is historically a thin place. I'm recording this on Halloween, a holiday that sure has been occupied recently by capitalism, but Halloween, Sawen, is an ancient tradition, an ancient recognition of the end of harvest and the turning towards winter, and for millennia, a recognition that in this time we are particularly close to those we love who have become ancestors, who have entered the great cloud of witnesses. All Saints Day is a pagan earthbound eruption into the otherworldly focus of Christendom. If Jesus were born in Ireland or Scotland, he would have celebrated this holiday. So he joins us in this thin place this week, in this moment. He is alive with us in the morning. Maurice Stallard, Vicki Jones, Irving Younger, Melvin Wax, Rose Mallinger, Bernice Simon, Sylvan Simon, Jerry Rabinowitz, Joyce Feinberg, Richard Gottfried, Daniel Stein, Cecil Rosenthal, David Rosenthal. May their memories be a blessing. Here now, the mourners Kaddish. Exalted and hallowed be God's great name in this world, which God created according to plan. May God's majesty be revealed in the days of our lifetime and the life of all Israel, speedily, imminently, to which we say, Amen. Blessed be God's great name to all eternity. Blessed, praised, honored, exalted, extolled, glorified, adored, and lauded be the name of the Holy Blessed One, beyond all earthly words and songs of blessing, praise, and comfort, to which we say, Amen. May there be abundant peace from heaven and life for us and all, to which we say, Amen.
May the one who creates harmony on high bring peace to us and all, to which we say, Amen. This is The Word is Resistance, a podcast exploring what our sacred texts have to teach us about surviving, resisting, and thriving in our current context of white supremacist violence. My name is John Bergen, I use he, him, and his, and I'm recording this on Halloween in Philadelphia. The music you hear is a live recording of a song gifted to the freedom movement by Dr. Vincent Harding, We Are Building Up a New World. Group you hear singing is No Enemies, a multiracial group of activists and musicians in Denver, Colorado, who come together for a movement choir practice to bring singing back into direct actions and other movement spaces. This particular choir practice is from December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. And we are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for the podcast. Finally, this podcast is a project of Surge Faith. Surge, or Showing Up for Racial Justice, organizes white people to take bold action against white supremacy. This podcast aims to resource us in that work, which means it is for everyone but geared towards white people working to build our resistance muscles. We welcome your feedback and especially appreciate feedback from and accountability to listeners of color. Amidst the hurt, I want to take a moment and appreciate what might be really the most brilliant piece of direct action currently happening and explore what we can learn from it. I'm talking about the migrant caravan currently making its way through Mexico. And I'm quoting here from a Vox article on the caravan written by Daryl Lind on October 25th. On October 12, 2018, a group of about, of about 160 Hondurans set forth from the town of San Pedro Sula, which in the first half of the decade was often referred to as the murder capital of the world, in hopes of arriving to present themselves for asylum in Mexico or the United States. 75 miles and two days later, the caravan was more than 1,000 strong, according to the estimates of Associate Press reporters. By October 15th, the AP estimated about 1,600 Hondurans had amassed at the border with Guatemala. The government of Guatemala attempted to close the Guatemalan-Honduran border to the caravan on October 15th. After a standoff of several hours, Guatemalan officials backed down. The caravan continued to grow as it crossed Guatemala and arrived about 3,000 strong at the Mexican-Guatemalan border on October 19th, when the members slept overnight on a bridge at the border after being driven back by Mexican riot police with pepper spray. Mexico has begun slowly admitting caravan members to ask for asylum. As of October 24th, the Mexican government said it has processed 1,743 applications, but many have decided to stop walking and swim across the river to enter without papers. On October 21, a surging group of migrants 
thousands bigger than the group that had waited on the bridge, agreed to continue onward from Chiapas, Mexico, to the United States. End quote. Good direct actions do a few things. First, they show, don't tell. Lunch counter sit-ins in the 1960s demonstrated their demand very simply. We want to be served at this lunch, lunch counter, so we are sitting at this lunch counter until you serve us. Blockades of ICE detention centers demonstrate their demand. We don't want you to deport people, so we are sitting in the roads so that you don't deport people. The visual tells the story. As I record this, a group of people moving as one are approaching the southern border of the United States demanding entry. Through their action, they demand very simply, we want safe entry into the United States, so here we are as a big group demanding entry into the United States. Second, good direct actions force their target to make a choice. Ideally, they make it easier for their target to do the right thing than it would be to keep doing business as normal. They raise the cost of not doing good and force a choice. The lectionary text for this coming Sunday starts the story of the book of Ruth. Ruth is a, a book of choices. In the first chapter, Naomi's family makes a choice to escape famine in Judah and live in the land of Moab. Naomi's husband dies and she has to make a choice. She allows her sons to marry Moabites, Orpah and Ruth. Her sons die, men don't do well in this book, and when Naomi returns to Judah, her daughters-in-law have to make another choice, and Ruth chooses to go with her. And the book continues with many more moments of choice, but the end result is that the book gives its readers a choice. It tells us that one descendant of this Moabite woman is King David. It tells us that one descendant of this Moabite woman is Jesus of Nazareth. And so it stands against all the ethnocentrism of the Bible and all the ethnocentrism of our tradition and asks us to choose whether we will welcome in our ancestor, the foreigner Ruth. And soon, the caravan will reach the southern border of the United States and force a choice. Already they have forced a choice and revealed much about the fear that lies behind nationalist posturing. The lack of vision that lies behind moderate Democrats who fear that this caravan is, quote, playing into Republican hands. And still they continue to move forward and continue to press this choice. Who is welcomed? Who, on this stolen native land, where our southern neighbors live under the effects of U.S. colonialism, is really welcomed? And what do Americans really stand for? Do we believe what Jesus said, that the greatest commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Will we love our neighbors as ourselves? There is no other commandment greater than these. Already, they have transformed the conversation in Mexico, where they have been greeted by crowds of local people offering food and other forms of support. These are Mexicans eager to demonstrate that their government, which initially refused to allow the caravans to enter the country, does not speak for them. The marching makes the question clear. Third and finally, good direct actions set us free. As Mark Lewis Taylor writes in The Executed God, his book on resistance to mass incarceration, quote, Demonstrators engaging in bodily confrontation offer to citizens who practice it a partial antidote to the fear generated by a dominating system's theatrics of terror. If it is true that imperial power maintains itself in great part by creating spectacles of force, 
that evoke fear in the public, it is crucial that a counter-theatrics to state terror offers some antidote for the way this fear takes up residence in the body, in one's physical being. Wisely crafted dramatic action, which involves your body creatively going up against imperial force alongside other bodies doing the same, actually helps rid the gut of the terror the state seeks to implant there. Protesters cannot do this all the time, and often one must know how to protect one's body from imperial security forces as well as put it at risk. But when performed, it can help people break free from the somatic weight of psychic and social terror in which an imperial ethos often steeps us. I'm not sure that those most directly and daily, daily steeped in fear and targeted by state terror, thinking especially of black and brown bodies, should automatically default to direct action and civil disobedience against state force. But even among them, deliberate and well-planned nonviolent action can be a way to creatively absorb state violence. Precisely in the creativity of the encounter, there is a taking back of agency against state violence. In this way, one might say that nonviolent direct action against illegitimate state force, even if only facing up to police phalanxes or being handcuffed, creates in members a kind of antibody against the state's calculated imposition of fear and terror. End quote. I have no doubt that those who are currently caravanning north have already been forever changed by their action. Just as those who come out as undocumented are transformed by enacting a bravery that they may not know they have, just as all of us, when we take a leap of faith for justice, good direct action sets us free. It refocuses us on what is important. It clarifies the question before us. It demonstrates our demands. Take a deep breath. Breathe out. We can be set free. Take a deep breath. Breathe out. God has given us the gift of choice, the choice of how to act and answer the questions before us. Take a deep breath. Breathe out. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep moving forward. Keep praying for our Jewish siblings and our siblings of color. Keep praying for yourself. Keep your hearts and prayers with the caravan and with direct action for liberation everywhere. Amen. friend messaged me recently to say she was thankful for me in this hell of a time. I appreciated the care in that message, and I, I definitely resonated with the wording. This is indeed a hell of a time. When discerning what I was going to talk about this week, I made a conscious choice to talk about something that gives me hope. I could have spent more time with any of the immense sources of pain. It was hard not to talk about the repeated policy attacks on trans and non-binary people undertaken by the Trump administration. Multiple times in the past two weeks, the federal government has said to trans and non-binary people, we don't value you, we don't want you to exist. And this 
This is heartbreaking. So there's one thing I have heard consistently from trans friends, it's that cis folks shouldn't be out fighting for trans people. Instead, we have to begin by recognizing that the full welcome of trans and non-binary lives into our communities liberates all of us. The struggle for trans liberation pushes all of us to interrogate our own genders and live into a world where our rights and our survival are not bound up in how well we fit into a couple narrow boxes in the vast field of genders and sexualities. As Sylvia Rivera said, our armies are rising and we are getting stronger. So this week for our call to action, let our armies continue to rise and get stronger. It's time to have that conversation with friends or family or community members who don't quite get why we're so upset about attacks on Jewish people or people of color or trans people. Reach out to your friends who are hurting the most and remind them that we love them. Bring them groceries, walk their dog, give them a hug, ask them what they want. If you have financial resources, give to trans liberation organizations that aren't in the mainstream. The Sylvia Rivera Law, Law Project does amazing work supporting trans and gender nonconforming people in prisons. You can donate to them or download their resources and share them with people you know who need them. A lot of the resources are New York specific, but not all of them are. The STAY Project supports young people in Appalachia, especially youth of color and LGBTQ youth, to build relationships and skills that help them stay in their communities and become leaders in social movements in greater Appalachia. Also, read up on resources on how to confront anti-Semitism. Share them with your friends. I'm going to quote uh, some resources here from my friend and fellow organizer, Sam Shane. You should check out her great blog on how to use databases for justice at thedataarealright.blog. She offered three resources to us, and I'll put the links in the transcript along with the links to other organizations I've mentioned. The first is the zine, The Past Didn't Go Anywhere, Making Resistance to Anti-Semitism Part of All of Our Movements. That's available online. The second is a white paper from Jews for, for Racial and Economic Justice called Understanding Anti-Semitism. And the third is a full book from Jewish Voice for Peace called On Anti-Semitism, if you're more of a whole book, maybe a book discussion group sort of person. Thank you for joining me today. As always, let us know how it goes by commenting on our SoundCloud or Facebook pages. You can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org, and our podcast lives at SoundCloud. Search for The Word is Resistance. You can interact with us there if you have questions or need help with action ideas. Transcripts are available on our website, which include any references, credits, and copyright information. And of course, thanks to our sound editor, Maxwell Pearl, for putting this together. Blessings to all of you as you continue in the work of being transformed of transforming the movement and transforming the world. Go in peace.